Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Banking on Business is aimed at helping entrepreneurs grow their business with practical strategies you can start using today. We are all about engaging our local business community and connecting with other small businesses to raise each other up. Hosted by yours truly, Grace Bruins, marketing officer at Horicon Bank, turned podcaster, at least for the next 20 minutes. Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast. Today we are talking with Josiah Villman, owner of Nun Attack Coffee in Beaver Dam. And today we're going to talk about how Josiah built his business and how you adjusted your business and changed a little bit and expanded and continue to expand. So I'm excited for this story. So welcome, Josiah. I'm glad you're here. So am I. This is this is fun. <laughs> This is our rapid-fire intro to the expert. I fire off the questions, and you answer as quickly as you can. Are you ready to play? As ready as I can be. All right. Where are you from, Josiah? Uh, Beaver Dam. Okay. And what's the best part about what you do every day? I get to drink coffee. It's always the best. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. What's your favorite wintertime activity? You know, I, I like to be outside. You do? Absolutely. So in the winter, it's just getting out and hiking is okay. the easiest, easiest thing to do. Do you have and a favorite place to hike? Well, if we can get away, we go to the UP. Okay. There's a lot of snow up there, which makes it fun. But down here, just, you know, the local parks are great. The Horicon Marsh is awesome. So how old were you when you first started drinking coffee? Coffee is one of those things you, that you like before you drink it. Mm-hmm. Or I should say you like it even if you don't drink it. Sure. Right. So I remember smelling it and liking it is some of my earliest memories. Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't learn to really like good coffee or have even experience with good coffee until probably my late teens. Okay. And if you could have coffee with any famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? That's a that's going deep, isn't it? My goodness. <laughs> I want to have like a really important answer for that. <laughs> I don't know, like Abraham Lincoln or something. You yeah, know? that's a good one. Um, so oh. I, I'll go with that. I wonder what kind of coffee he drinks. You think it's just black? coffee it's probably not good but i bet the conversation would be great (laughs) i do all right before we get into your story josiah let's go into our marketing minute now you're a parent Mm -hmm. is your son a picky eater no really yeah he's really good oh you're so lucky yeah i have one picky eater and one not picky eater two ends of the spectrum here but i love this story so in june of 2018 belgian supermarket del hayes changed the names of their fruit and vegetables to encourage more kids to eat them So carrots became orange rockets, tomatoes were clown noses, zucchini became troll bats, and white radishes became dragon's teeth. So do you want to guess what happened to their sales of fruit and vegetables? I think they went up. They went up. They increased by 151%. (laughs) Yeah. What was that? Troll rockets? Troll bats. (laughs) Troll bats. Yeah. I'm not sure what it is, but it sounds cool. Yeah, it's a good idea. It is. So for business owners out there, and quite frankly, parents like me, don't be afraid to get a little creative with your product. There's a quote from Bill Bernbach that says, creativity is the last unfair advantage we're legally allowed to take over our competitors. So go get some orange rockets for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I I will. I'm going to use that too. So my son's not terribly picky, but there's a couple of things. So maybe we'll play with that. Yeah, that's a good idea. Those things he's not sure about. Give it a fun name. Sometimes we just have to tell our kids, like, everything's chicken, you know. (laughs) And they're like, oh, this chicken's good. I'm like, great. It's pulled pork. But that's fine. (laughs) It's got barbecue sauce on it. It's it's fine. (laughs) 
So again, Josiah, thank you for joining me today. You have been a part of the Horicon Bank family for a number of years. For those that don't know, you are the roaster of our Blue Goose Coffee Blend, which is a special blend that you actually helped us create for our bank and for our customers, which is really special. And you do all of that right in Beaver Dam. We do. Yeah. How did that business get started? Probably almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. We got a call from bank, from Linda uh, Shelfeffer, actually. Mm-hmm. If I can say names on here. I yeah, you can, I say can say names. Say <laughs> she was, uh, and that's where the ball started rolling. She was looking for some support and some things. And long story short, we ended up doing a special blend. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You got a great coffee and we're just happy to be a part of it. A good decade though. That's how long it's been. It's been a great partnership for us. And to be able to have something that's so special to Horkon Bank, but then also is roasted locally, you know, and supported locally, that's been a great partnership. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you started Nun Attack Coffee? Because you didn't start roasting coffee, correct? Correct. We came in kind of through a back door, and it has been almost 20 years. We started in 2003. Really, we probably started before because you toil around with things, you know, for a while. We formally started in 2003 as a uh, more more of a marketing company. Okay. And why I say we, it was started with, by my mom and myself. Okay. So that's the we I'm referring to at that time. I had been working out of state. My mom was involved in sales, and we just we felt there was a need for good coffee. Uh, and this was, again, 20 years ago, and, and good coffee wasn't really readily available, certainly mm-hmm. not in some of the markets we were looking to get into. So, so we started developing marketing campaigns and procuring coffee and developing taste profiles for customers. That led to roasting a few years later. We had always been involved in the roasting through testing and things, developing the actual and roasting and handling that production didn't start till a few years later. Okay. So how did you gain education in, you know, creating those customer profiles, learning about coffee? Where did that all start for you guys? You know, if, if coffee's food... And it's easy to say, so if you're going to like do brain surgery on somebody, you kind of got to go to school. Right. And you really do need to, you should learn something. Yeah. And learn it through certain channels. But food's different, right? Everybody can be an expert if they want to be. <laughs> and I guess that was the naivety of myself at the time to say, well, why, why can't we do this? I certainly know when I have a good cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But I, it's not like I came from a or we came from a history of roasting coffee where we just took that knowledge and reused it. So we developed it that way. I think uh, we've gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. I think I've, I was pretty good, but we've certainly gotten better. And now we've learned because we're involved. And again, man, many years now since we started production because we've been heavily involved in it, we've really learned some intricacies that have helped us along the way. But at the time, you rely on um, the support of people around you and, and people in the industry. We developed it really through, that, through, that, through those channels. It was just a different approach. A much more experiential approach, I would assume, just yeah. continue to taste and learn and... Yeah, yeah. A lot of tasting coffee, a lot of trial and error. And at the end of the day, that's that's where you get to where try not to throw away too much. You add it all up and here we are and that, that's how it works. So you roast the coffee and the roasted coffee is sold not just to cafes, right? I mean, you, you guys deliver that all over the state. Yeah, that's a long winding road too. Being in that channel, we really provided coffee to offices, to larger clients, to gas stations really to those customers, not the individual 
coffee drinker. And we did open a cafe in 2008. And then you could say we, we were then the, the supplier of or providing coffee on an individual basis. But prior to that, it was larger customers. So I'm talking to you as non-attack coffee today. We do have our Blackwater's coffee, which really fulfills the wholesale, more of the industrial customer base that that I was just talking about before. We licensed through different distributors a number of years ago. Although up until then we delivered, we delivered every every pound of coffee we we roasted, but now that's handled through distribution channels, and we just found we, we couldn't grow vehicles and real estate. We license it, and it's been a it's been a great relationship and a great way to grow our business. Okay, and that first cafe you opened was Blackwater's Coffee, correct? Yeah. Right. Yep. And then now you have a second. Well, then you opened a cafe, Nun Attack Coffee. So, how did you balance those two brands, and how did you decide to make one of them that wholesale side, and one is that cafe side? You know, it was hard. We did it for a time, probably about a year. They existed, and that was really only only in name. We then transferred and turned the retail side into Nun Attack, and that was always the goal. But it did take some time to do that. From a cafe perspective, there's the types of drinks and the type of food items we were offering in the stores didn't really change so much. But Nunatak Coffee is is a Blackwater's Coffee's, so the cafes, they're using the Nunatak roasts, which are different than, than Blackwater's. Interesting. So the Blackwater's Cafe does no longer exist as the Blackwater's Cafe. You have the Nunatak Cafe in Beaver Dam, and you're opening a second. Yes, yes, we are. At our roastery, it's a different cafe different in terms of um, proximity to the, where it's made. It's also uh, a downtown location, and we were able to build it, and it's really designed to be a, a almost a store. It's, a, it's an outlet also for us. So, you know, it's punching above its weight in a lot of ways. It's got a lot of, a lot of different tentacles that we're trying to, we're really excited. We'll be opening that real soon, within a couple of weeks. I know my friends in Beaver Dam are waiting. They are so excited, and I am as well, because I, I love to take my two little boys to your Nut Attack Cafe right now. The cinnamon bread is, that's how I get them to behave, you know, in the store. Like, okay, cinnamon bread's coming. So all of those bakery items you guys do as well? Yeah, the majority of them. Some specific items, that direct approach to making them, different spe- specific equipment. So like the sweet breads or some of the croissants, we don't. But we break all of our scones and and muffins. We freeze them and take them and then they're baked in the store. And You know, talk about that expansion. So going from wholesale, then you've got the cafe and then you added the bakery and now you've got the second, you know, other location. Like you said, it's going to be a little bit different. How did you decide to do all of that? Like, how did you plan that out? Was that a strategic plan from the very beginning or was it like, we see this need, we decide we're going to fill it this way? <laughs> what did that look like? It's planned. Everything's so, especially the last couple of years, is so fluid. We had planned to expand downtown in, in, in order to to help provide, I think, the community a, more of insight into the production side of what we have and give us a better footprint. But I think how we got there, it really is fluid. We've made some adjustments just during construction over the last year, and we added a, a walk-up window. I think, I don't know if we would have done that. Whether or not we need it, whether or not it's really absolutely needed, I don't know. But it certainly adds to our outdoor space that we created there. You know, those are things that, that might not have been entirely planned. I think we're not shooting from the hip. We plan and then we prepare to be somewhat agile, you know, as, as we're doing this. So how did COVID affect your business? What did that look like, especially in 2020? You know, we're in the retail business and it was just a giant punch in the gut because you had to adjust your business on already maybe slim margins and categories. And you rely on, from a cafe's perspective, we, were, we rely on our retail sales. And one of the stores, we couldn't even open. 
it was during that, if you remember, it was yeah. during that mess. And even though we were uh, an essential business, we weren't so essential. You know what I mean? It's not like there were the runs on the paper towels or whatever might have been going on back then. And we had a small footprint store, so we completely adjusted. And then staffing really, really got wonky. It was difficult, but looking back on it, we managed it. We were able to retain some really good staff who are still with us. We managed to get through it. It really is still blurry for me, honestly, but we learned a lot from it. Do you think that you take those lessons then into future planning of like, be shut down again? There's things that are completely outside of our control. We never could have predicted. So how do we, maybe that adds to that agility you were talking about, you know, of like, we didn't expect that. What if something like that happens again? Let's be ready for it. However you can, I guess. You know, I don't know if I've thought about like, would we be shut down again? We think about every day feel I could come back again. Maybe we were spoiled for the last 50 years in, in some ways. So we're like, well, I don't know what the new norm is, but I think the ease of getting what you want when you want it may be behind us. We've become much more efficient in that regard in terms of the types of products we have, the, the number of items we carry. It made us more efficient. And I think we made permanent or, or at least long-term commitments to some of those things. Is your mom still involved in the business? No. She isn't. Other than she's my mom. So she's, yeah, involved in my business she every is. day. What's it like working with family that closely? You it's enjoy good. it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. I think those are things that you'd probably cherish. Or you see the value in the further distance you have from them. The more distance you put between it, the more you cherish it and, and, and think about those things. Yeah. But it was hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, working with family's hard. I grew up on a farm, family farm. Uh, my dad was the, the sibling that stayed you know, and operated the farm with grandpa and grandpa, grandma right down the road. And so I guess I never really thought about business without family because that's how I grew up. And it definitely, you know, their relationship is much different than what my grandpa has with other siblings. There is something special, even as a kid, watching them work together, growing up and having grandpa that close and teaching us things about the farm. So you're right. Sometimes in the middle of it, (laughs) it's tricky. (laughs) You, you can't treat family or strangers the same as you do treat family. So you, mm-hmm. it's just different. It is it's different. It's just different. Yeah. But special. Even, even Horicon Bank is a family-run business. So what do you think are some key lessons that you've learned along the way as your business grew and changed and adjusted? I've learned to be agile. You know, learned to be able to adjust. That, and I'm still learning that. And most of that's almost been recent COVID and for really for other things too, particularly the last couple of years, to be okay with moving in the right direction, but maybe not leaping the entire way every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long as you, you're moving you know, two steps forward, maybe one step back is, is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So I think being content with that and understanding that that's part of the game, that's been helpful for me. I could see that. Sometimes you, you see that goal. I'm, I'm sure with the new cafe, it's like, we're so close. <laughs> Why can't we get it there? Celebrating the small wins along the way, taking even those step backs as lessons learned, you can take forward with you. That's really valuable. And it's a, it's a mindset shift, I think, in a lot of ways. It sounds like it provides quite a bit of wisdom going forward. It's learned, though, at least for me. Mm-hmm. You have to work at it. <laughs> <laughs> Very intentional. <laughs> I can imagine. So, you know, you've got the the new cafe coming soon. Do you have other future plans or is it like, let's just get this one done and then we'll <laughs> focus on the next thing? See, so you're trying to pull me into the weeds now, I think. A little bit, a little bit. 
<laughs> yeah, I think we have plans to grow the production for sure. We have a lot of room for growth for our wholesale side, particularly on our own website, which is one of our biggest customers. But still, there's a couple billion people out there, and, and we're not trying to get all of them. But, you know, I think there's a lot of room for growth for us, especially with where online sales have gone in the last couple of years. We, we're going we're gonna to look to that and really fine-tuning and uh, doing, doing a tremendous job at, at the new store downtown. So if customers, you know, people listening to this podcast want to visit or check out Wholesale, what should they do? Well, nonattackcoffee.com is the best place for that. The store will be right on the corner of Mill and Spring, downtown Beaverdam. And those are the best places. But nonattackcoffee.com is a real easy, quick. All right, Josiah. Now, here's where we are going to get a little inspirational for our listeners. As you know, Horcom Bank is the natural choice for banking, not just a tagline, but a commitment to being environmentally friendly, supporting environmental causes. So in that spirit, I'm going to give you an interesting animal fact that I'd like you to turn into a piece of inspirational advice for business owners. You ready? Here we go. Reindeer eyeballs, which is not something I ever thought I would say. Reindeer eyeballs turn blue in the winter to help them see at lower light levels. They're golden colored in the summer and no other mammal is known to have this ability. Wow, that's something inspirational out of that. So reindeer, and it's timely, we're going kind of into the holidays here. I think inspirational, be prepared to make adjustments along the way. You never know when, where the road's going. Or what skills, you know, and abilities you can develop out of that adjustment and where you could really shine. Maybe more inspirational is it's okay if you have blue eyes or brown eyes. But <laughs> if you have both, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> you're really special. Yeah, really, really special. <laughs> All right. Before we end the show, Josiah, I want to wrap up with a piece of actionable advice for listeners. So what is one thing that you hope listeners can take away from this podcast today? Something they can take away? From, well, you know, a drink good coffee. That's you know, it. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's lots of different kinds out there. And no, enjoy it. Thank you for coming, Josiah. I appreciate it. Yeah, this thank was you. fun. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in the loop on all things banking on business related, visit horaconbank.com slash banking on business and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 